Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're going to have a most delightful conversation tonight. The topic is Cultivate Enlightenment Empathetic Sensitivity. And our guest tonight is Alea Dow. We're going to bring Alea on in just a little bit, but I want to talk about the notion of your sense of self becoming... Um, more anchored, more grounded in your sense of self. And, you know, who the hell am I to talk about this? I mean, you're grounded in who, who you are. You you know who you are. I mean, you live out your persona day in and day out. How can there be um, more to discover about yourself? I mean, how many years, how many decades have you been you? I mean, it can seem like a futile uh, conversation to talk about um, having a deeper connection with yourself. But we're the the notion that any of us, and I and I suggest that with, with a capital A, any of us to totally know who we are, I don't think it's possible. And even if we were to experience it, we probably couldn't language it very well with the symbol table called words. Um, you're, you're such a multidimensional soul having a human experience. And most of the time, when people have conversations, it's, it's from ego to ego. And that's fine. And that's that's the mechanics of being human. But, you know, none of us had a flipping ego the day we were born. Day, day zero, there's no ego there. There's zippo ego there in your 100% soul consciousness. There's no ulterior motive running on, on within your persona. And what I, what I like to do when people... Um, want to look at their life path and try to figure out the big karmic lessons they've stacked up for themselves is to look at the family dynamic you were born into. So look at your mom and your dad, and that's making assumptions. Maybe it's foster homes or whatever. If you look at your the family of origin or families of origin, that's where your thinking machine was built. That's where your ego processor was created. And I'm pretty sure zero of our parents said, well, Junior, you're growing an ego, and it's going to create these mental stigmas and emotional posturing patterns that is going to ripple into the rest of your life until you figure out that they're there, and then if you are bold enough, you can do something about it and set yourself free. So when I talk about um, connecting with a deeper sense of who you are, you always have more forever. You always have more to discover about who you are. You are as source consciousness personified. It's impossible to finish the sentence that would describe you. It's impossible because in every moment, as source consciousness, you have the ability to create a new. You have the ability to create something that has never existed before in all of time and space. And so we can't, I mean, ugh, we can't really even put a definition on your persona that's, that doesn't really any kind of justice. That's how bold and dynamic that you are as a human persona. So when I talk about getting in touch with a deeper sense of who you are, I would suggest that's a topic you could always get excited about. Your soul, your higher consciousness loves you like an unbelievable well of love, 
but our flippin' ego really drives the boat. We have our ego can consume all of our consciousness. Okay, I'm yakking too much now, but um, the reason I chose this topic to touch on before the show got started was um, a lot of times the stigmas in our persona that we're not aware of is not really ours. In other words, you can be so hypersensitive to uh, psychic or conscious energy that you can pick up um, crap in the in the psychic arena of humanity. And if you can't discern that from your own persona, you can you can take it on thinking that it's from you to you. And that's that's what I like about tonight's show. And speaking of that, why don't we get to it? The topic tonight is cultivate enlightened empathetic sensitivity. And Alea, our guest tonight, is the is the perfect uh, guest to nail this topic down. Alea is a sound healer, an energetic practitioner, a minister in the state of California, doctor of oriental medicine in New Mexico, and a licensed acupuncturist here in Colorado. She doesn't live here. And has been an alternative healer for over 25 years. In 2001, Alea had an enlightenment experience which enabled her to perceive other realms, and that really relates to the topic tonight, to hear the angelic beings and increase her empathetic and clairvoyant abilities. She has mastered the ability to help people release the root causes of their suffering. Her tools help people discover how to move forward with greater peace, empowerment, and freedom. And if you want to check out her webpage while you listen to the show, it's aleadao.com, A-L-E-Y-A-D-A-O.com. Join me in welcoming Alea to the show. Alea, welcome to the show again. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Les. So... In 2001, you had an enlightenment experience when, which enabled you to perceive other realms. And the topic tonight is cultivate enlightened empathetic sensitivity. Um, we were talking a little bit before the show started. Um, this topic really kind of sounds like the empathetic sensitivity can have some side effects. Can you can you just walk us through the notion of the title of the show, Cultivate Enlightened Empathetic Sensitivity? Yeah, so when we are in the world with other people, all of us that are healthy and connected inside ourselves, we are empathic. We have mirror neurons in our body. Our body is literally feeling into other bodies in our environment. And so that gives us lots of information of what's going on for other people in our environment. And when we were back in the cave, you know, cavemen, we developed this ability to feel into what's going on with the people around us for survival purposes. And now as we've evolved and our society and our culture has evolved, we don't really realize that so much of what we feel is actually empathic. And that means behaviors, belief systems, emotions, physical pain. And if we have really bad boundaries or we're in a codependent way of being with people, we'll be even more empathic. If we have a desire to be attached to what people are doing and want for their safety, want for their integrity, want for them to respect the earth, then we get even more empathic. So there's very specific things that we'll do that actually increase the empathic sensitivity, which then increases the reactivity at an empathic level. And so when I am, I'm in the process of writing the book, it's not yours. It's all about the empathic sensitivity. And you cultivate this discernment, realizing that we are so empathic and 80% of our challenges are not ours and we can only shift our own pieces. So, Empathic sensitivity is a big thing when we're working on our growth and our evolution and wanting to clear our challenges. And if there's a challenge that you've had for years or decades and it's not shifting, it might belong to the mother or the father or the ancestor or a lover or a friend in third grade. 
it's sort of astounding when I work with people where the root is and where the origin of the empathic sensitivity is coming from. So you're saying that you can have an, an event or episode with a third grade friend and that locks in a stigma in your persona that conveys through your life until you do something about yeah. it? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Well, how do you push <laughs> that stuff out? Do you sprinkle flour on the kitchen floor to see if you can sleep walking? I mean, it, if you don't know you're doing it, how do you how do you root that out? Yeah, that's the journey of the awakening, right? Learning learning who you are and who you really are deep, deep in your core. And so the more that you are bringing your awareness inside yourself into your divine line, you're feeling into that light that flows within you, then you start getting more discerning around empathic sensations, behaviors, thought forms, emotions, ways of being. And so in the book, I talk about all of the layers and all of the reasons and then how to clear these pieces because, as you know, we can only shift what we're aware of. And most people don't even realize that 80% of their challenges are empathic. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't, that you don't have to be personally responsible for your behavior, but we can be personally responsible for cleaning up our fields and being more attached to just the vibration that flows within us and our own behavior. And I try to get really 3D, and I'm all about the how, right? It's like, okay, 80% of your challenges are empathic. Well, that's great information, but now give me the how of how to clear that empathic sensitivity. And I think a lot of the times in the in in a lot of different disciplines, they talk about concepts, but they don't give you the how. And um, I have been trained to always, you know, if I find a challenge, I have to find the solution. If I can't find the solution, what's the point of even knowing about the challenge? And so <laughs> there's lots of different reasons why we're empathic, and we flush it out, we distill it down, and then you go through a very simple process to clear it. Well, uh, that last sentence, there's a lot of reasons why, why we're empathetic. I mean, um, my father... Um, was a World War II vet. And when I looked through pictures of my father before he went to war, before I was even born when I was a teenager, he was this really happy kid that lived on the farm. He had this big-ass grin, happy grin on his face. And then he went off to war and he came back an angry old um, angel to teach me about um, the Tempest. And uh, so in, in the hostel environment of a battlefield i would imagine your senses would just go up to you know full wide open as a survival tactic absolutely and if you kill somebody then you actually take a fragment of their energy and that fragment of their energy when you kill somebody is now going to empathically impact you yeah so you know it's uh it's a curious thing because I, um, we've had so many shows on this uh, radio show about the awakening feminine, and and the masculine um, has been a really uh, dominant, prominent aspect of the collective. In a in a um, I, I want to be careful with words. Uh, the 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 masculine has been very happy making all the damn choices. <laughs> To run in the whole mm-hmm. damn show, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But the the masculine is also way totally wounded, very deep in our psyche. And, oh yeah. And and I find it very curious, like to shift the the perspective a little. Um, there's people who are really numb to to their sensitivity, where they can't feel right. how other people are feeling. It, it's almost. Um, the chakras come to mind, but if you think of my person, my persona, and and the collective environment that I go into every day, there's this energetic dialogue that happens, and if if we become numb to that, I think that's what pushes us up into our egos, where we spend all damn day staring at our phone, punching the buttons, and scrolling through the the social media threads. Because we're numb, because we have no feelings. I mean, but how, we're still looking does, for connection. 
We're still looking yeah, for connection so. because every single time you pick up your phone, you're looking for connection. You're just looking for it externally instead of internally. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how do you, I mean, we've talked about the, of being hypersensitive to how other people feel. And then there's the notion of being really flipping numb, the walking right. dead, disconnected about how even perhaps your own self feels. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can get into the now really fast by running out into the center lane of freeway traffic. I mean, all my <laughs> senses will become full on, and I'll, I'll right. have this enlightened experience for about a nanosecond, and then the Mack truck will make a pancake out of me. I mean, right. without going to such extremes, how how do you go to work with something that you're not really aware of? Well, I think that most people who are going to tune into the empathic sensitivity, those people are already tuning into their own internal environment. They might be caregivers. They might be pleasers. They might not have great boundaries. But that empathic sensitivity that they have, they can then model how to be in an empathic experience in a healthy, co-creative way. So if I'm in the presence of somebody who's not aware of their emotional experience, and their internal energetic terrain. I'm going to be more empathic with the person who's not aware of their stuff. I call them dribblers. They're not owning their experience. And so people who are totally numb and shut down, the the person who's empathic is going to feel them more. Whereas if you and I are sitting across and you're aware of your terrain and you're taking responsibility for your emotional and your energetic reality, I'm going to empathically feel you less because you're owning your stuff. And so when we're an empath and we're in the presence of somebody who is totally numb and shut down and we're empathically feeling their rage and their grief and their sadness and their confusion, we get really confused because they look fine, but they're not processing any of their emotions or their energy. They're just like this, just stuck in it. And so when we know what another person is feeling, then we can then cultivate this discernment and this awareness of I'm only empathically feeling another person if I have information for them. So the empathic individual needs to really recognize that they have massive amounts of energetic and emotional information that can help other people who are shut down and unaware. And so you, we then sort of go into the realm of multiple dimensions, recognizing that we live in a multidimensional reality, And we can't use our out loud mouth giving them energetic information. We have to employ some energetic aspect of ourselves, what I call the higher self, to send appropriate energetic information to this person that I'm empathically feeling that they're not even aware of their emotions. I invite some energetic part of me to send them appropriate energetic information where they have the capacity to receive it, but I can't be attached or responsible for them being aware and processing their emotions. No attachment, no responsibility for another only attached and responsible for my own energy. And then I just invite some energetic aspect of me to model the solution to them. Maybe it's just about how to start processing and taking responsibility for your own emotional experience and for your own awakening experience. But a lot of light workers get really attached to other people waking up. But the moment we get attached to another person waking up, now we take responsibility for them waking up. Now they don't feel the ramifications of their actions. Now it's our fault they're not waking up. And I actually think this started about 1,500 years ago. And so now we're seeing the impact of codependent service. And all of these light workers are super fired up and attached and angry and frustrated that the world is just being decimated by all these people that don't care. Yet those people aren't taking responsibility for their awakening process because we're holding it. So when we're empathic, we want to recognize we have information, we're leaders, we're teachers, we're trailblazers. We can model the solution in a compassionate way. And so the more we send appropriate energetic information and model the solution, the less empathically reactive we are, and people begin to awaken and they begin to shift, not because we're attached, but because we've returned the responsibility back to them. Wow, I like that. Well, so uh, speak more to the the notion that um, if we're picking up on other people's crap, um, uh, imprinting whatever, em- empathetically, 
um, that the, the reason, I think you said, I don't want to put words in your mouth, the reason we get those hits is because we have something to offer them. And if we use our loud voice, we might get slapped. So we do yeah. it at a, a we do it at a like a higher our inside level. voice. Yeah, our <laughs> inside voice. <laughs> I mean, but but is there like a it's is this a agreement among souls that if if I feel an empathetic hit from somebody that there's something I have to give them? Yeah, but they don't have to take it. So at an energetic level, you could send them information, and I always ask that it be sent to them where they have the capacity to receive it. So that might be 20 or 30 lifetimes from now. So I'm not overriding their free will and choice. Or maybe I just send it to them where they have the capacity to receive it, and they choose not to receive it, and they dump it and chuck it. And I'm like, all right, at least I sent you the information and I modeled the solution. Right, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's it's folly to try to own somebody else's dynamic. That's just BS. Um, well, and it's arrogant because then we're well, projecting what we value onto others. Yeah, and the I'd, moment I'd just rather skip do. the whole dogma of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. just, but but um, well, that's really curious. So okay, so if um, what about my own stuff? So say I'm not aware of my own crap and I'm getting the Oh, but you are, Les. From, huh? <laughs> but you <Well>, are. <laughs> I try. But you are I, aware. I polish it every day. I, I, uh, I, I, do, uh, I try to be diligent, damn it. Um, so if but, you aren't I mean, aware. It, well, yeah. If, if we're... What I'm what I'm getting at is if I have uh, a very consistent pattern of empathetic hits about unresolved anger, and I'm mm-hmm. picking it up on other people, is there a chance that the reason I'm I'm hypersensitive to that is because I have a uh, a, a big ass um, content of that in my own psyche? You, you know what I mean? Possibly, I mean, possibly. Is, it's possible, Are there being mirrors but of what we need? it can be. Although I have found that what people get challenged by the most is actually what they have mastery of. And for a long period of time, many, maybe many moments or many incarnations, depending on your beliefs, you got attached to people doing what you value. And then you put your vibrational fabric of your gifts, your wisdom, and mastery on others. Then you take responsibility for others doing what you value, what's your priority. And then you get into the empathic loop, which humbles you. You get pummeled to be humbled with your mastery. And so if you've got a lot of anger, for example, anger is an interesting energy because a lot of the times anger is two things. I mean, there's other reasons for it. But we get angry because we're taking responsibility that isn't ours or we've given responsibility away to other people. So we've disempowered ourselves. We go into the anger to cultivate empowerment. Or we have grief that we haven't processed. Right. Or we're attached to other people not being angry, using their power with integrity, whatever it might be. And then we get into the empathic loop of the anger. So those would be the four layers of why we would be angry that come um, off the top of my head right now. Well, I like I like this conversation. So um, the cosmic two-by-four that woke me up was a, um, an immense amount of subconscious anger in my psyche. So I'm 35 years old, and I'm this happy-go-lucky, bubbly, happy guy, and I never got angry. And uh, um, I end up on a shrink's couch, and he's like, come on, come on, show me your anger, and and poof, this flipping volcano, this huge amount of energy, like a lightning storm, comes pouring out of my psyche, and that was the moment my whole life changed. And the reason I bring this up is the um, the model, the, the dynamic that I relate to all that subconscious anger in my psyche that I was not aware of, very, very mm-hmm. important, 
I'm 35 mm-hmm. years old, and, and I've got a huge amount of anger in me, and I don't show any anger at all. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm getting at here is I would go into work with this schmooze pool full of anger in my psyche, and, and I would attract to me a beautiful, wonderful prick, a boss that <laughs> would poke my anger every day. He was such a, mm-hmm. a diligent prick that over a decade of, of needling me about my anger subconsciously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he broke me open. And so mm-hmm. my whole point is, as I'd go out during the day, I'd come home from work and listen to this as uh, for my listeners. If you come home from work and you're wiped out pretty much every day, regardless of the physical amount of activity you're doing, you've been emotionally stirred up by the environment that you're in. So in other words, all that anger I had, my boss would upset my anger, and I'd come home and just want to crash on the couch. So Mm -hmm. if we talk about the volume, and I – I want to speak in RF terms because I'm a TV engineer, but if I have an immense amount of unresolved emotion and then I go out and I propagate time and space with a collage of other personas, what does uh, volume have to do? What I mean, the amount, the intensity, if you will, of unresolved emotions within our psyche, how does that play into the empathetic um, interaction with others? I think you can become a magnet for other people who have the same stuff that you're processing because, as you know, when we're ready to shift it, it appears and we keep seeing it every single day, every single day, and then we have an opportunity to go, okay, is this reflection that's happening in my outer world, if it's triggering me, then that means that I've got some work to do inside. But if you have the prick of a boss who is constantly poking you every single day and you have um, a, a grief reaction or a compassion reaction, you know, and not everybody goes to anger. Some people feel victimized and they just fall apart. And so wherever you're getting poked, how you react is your indicator of the work that you might need to do inside yourself. But the piece that I was talking about, and empathic sensitivity is very layered, um, which is why I'm writing this sort of, it's not going to be a huge book, but it's going to have a lot of information. And it's just kind of like level one with empathic sensitivity and the basics. But a lot of the times we want to ask ourselves, what do we value more than anything? Do you value peace? Do you value integrity? Do you value purity? Do you value joy? Do you value freedom? Whatever it is you value the most, it's like number one. If I needed to go to a planet and I could hold one thing in my basket and have it completely embodied within me, what is the one thing that's most important to me? And when you answer that question, then you recognize that that's a priority for you, which means for many, many moments, you've been actually working on weaving that vibrational fabric of that quality inside yourself. It's a gift. It's a wisdom. It's a mastery. So then if you say, okay, well, I'm all about freedom. I love freedom. Why do I not feel free in my life? Why do I have no financial freedom, no emotional freedom in my relationship that I'm in, no physical freedom because my body hurts? That would be an indicator when you value freedom the most. That would be an indicator that maybe for many, many moments you've been attached and wanting other people to be free. And then you put your vibrational fabric, your gifts, your wisdom, and your mastery of freedom on others, and then you don't have it for yourself. And then you take responsibility for other people being free. Now you get empathically impacted with that responsibility. Now you start processing their karma, and now you're living a life that isn't free. Now on some level, that's pummeling to be humbled so that eventually you get clear that, oh my gosh, freedom is my mastery. I need to hold it inside myself. I need to only want it for me and not project what I value out onto others. So it moves us into this place of gratitude and humility with high levels of mastery. So anytime we're in the empathic loop or we're getting pummeled, we want to ask ourselves, am I trying to actually cultivate more humility by using empathic sensitivity? And so that's what I mean by the enlightened empathic experience. 
of really using empathic sensitivity to grow, to come back into ourselves, to hold our mastery inside ourselves, to only want for our own selves, to be only responsible for our own energy, so that we then have the capacity to model the solution to those as we walk in the world. And quite a few years ago, I was in meditation with Christ and Buddha. I'm not a religious person, more spiritual, energetic. But in meditation, I was sitting with them and I was asking them about service and co-creative service and codependent service. And they both said to me, Alea, the moment you want for another, you then take responsibility for their journey. Now you disempower them. Now you put your gifts on them trying to get them to do what you want them to do. Now you're, then you empathically take on all of their challenges. Now you're not modeling the solution. So the healthy co-creative way of serving is to never want for another because the moment we get attached to another person being in integrity, being kind, being respectful, being gracious, being connected, being aware, we then go into the empathic experience and now we're not modeling the solution. And the moment you get attached to another person's reality and you become responsible for it, you drop your energy fields of coherence from 100 to zero. And now we're not modeling a solution. Now how can we really truly help? So that's kind of the the formula around the empathic experience. And there's, again, other layers, like what happened to you when you were in your 30s with all of that anger. I'd have to drop in, call in the guides, and see where that was really coming from. And it might have been yours, but you might have come into this world wanting everybody to be kind and gracious and happy. And then you get attached to everybody being there, and now you're processing all of their anger, giving you compassion for souls who haven't cultivated the kind, the gracious, the happy. Who knows? Wow. So, you do. Well, that, um, <laughs> I love that dynamic. I, um, um, everything you said there really uh, clicked. Um, so these these people that uh, say, um, dear, insert name of religious icon here, um, please tell me what the hell I should do with my life. That That's a crock of folly because of you're describing um, the the wisdom of Jesus and Buddha, you don't want to get in and meddle with somebody's desires and what they should or shouldn't be doing because exactly. um, that takes you out of embodying it yourself. So and power too, you get totally disempowered and become the victim. It it so it this is pointing out some dogmas in some of the religious stigmas. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, say I'm a listener on the show, and I've come into the realm of uh, a spiritual practice, and I'm uh, been working on my journey now for a while, and I'm, I'm feeling accomplished. And when it when it comes to the, um, uh, the honing your skill at embodying the reason you're here. Um, Can you talk more about how it's an inside job, how how it's, um, how you personally personify it or live it? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I mean, uh, I, I think the path of, quote, becoming a master for a cliche, um, I, there's got to be an element there where you're figuring out your relationship with your mastery and then those personas that um, you're you're here to have soul contracts with. Yeah, so with all my whole angle, with my meditations, my sessions, my work, my teachings, I really think of um, our journey more from the place of qualities that we value. And when we're here in this world, I think of Earth and the physical dimension and being in a physical human form as the workout. We're in the gym. It's not really the real world, but we're here for a period of time and we're working out. And a lot of people simply use the physical dimension to get a reference for their cards on the table. Where are they in their growth? Where are they in their evolution? Where are their triggers? And then the physical dimension triggers them so that they can then see where they are and the pieces they need to work on. The unconscious individual who doesn't really realize that we're here to spiritually grow, awaken, and evolve, they'll just use the physical dimension to get a reference for their cards on the table. 
then they die and they go back over to the other side and very slowly over many, many moments, times a little different on the other side, they'll work on their pieces and they'll work it, work it, work it. And then they'll come back into this world and they'll see where they are in their evolution and they'll see, check the cards on the table because the physical dimension is really dense. It shows you where your stuff is. It shows you where you're holding the empathic sensation as well if you're aware of it. The conscious individual who knows that they've come here into this world and they want to spiritually grow and awaken, they are walking around the gym going, okay, what workout do I need to do that will help me attain the qualities that I really value so that when, I'm at, when I am back in the real world, standing naked in my full beauty of light, I am, am emanating grace. I am emanating kindness. Whatever the soul really, really values is the indicator of what of the qualities they're trying to attain inside themselves. So if you imagine you're here in the gym, but now imagine that at some point in time you will leave the gym and you will go back over to the other side into the etheric realms, into your light body, and you'll be in the real world, and whatever you're standing in is what everybody's going to see and what you're going to feel. And so how could you use your journey here in the physical dimension, in the physical body, to start working the energy in your divine line and cultivating the grace, the strength, the, the discernment, the clarity, the purity, whatever it might be. And maybe you just go with two or three qualities and you go, this year I'm going to really work on getting my divine line super, super strong so there's this incredible strength and support flowing in my divine line. Then what happens is you stop leaning on your outer world for strength and support because you've got incredible strength and support flowing within you. That then positively impacts your finances and your relationships and your body because your body gets empathically impacted by the vibrations that you're cultivating inside yourself. So with the empathic sensitivity, we want to really recognize that it can actually help us discern what it is we really value. And so when you're walking around in the world and you see somebody who's being totally disrespectful or you see somebody who's using their power completely inappropriately from your perspective, that means you value those things. That means those things flow within you. Then bring your awareness more inside. Feel those qualities that flow within you, which then amplifies it, gets it stronger, and now you are in the conscious workout instead of dropping barbells on your feet or just sitting on the bench. Right. Right. I like that. Well, so um, earlier in this episode, uh, you talked about um, when you, uh, I don't remember the words exactly, but um, when you passionately engage a cause, um, pick a cause, um, in in the media there's so many uh, hot buttons, racism, climate change, um, blah, blah, blah. Um, when, when you talk about the uh, empathetic connection, when, when you um, become engaged, um, vetted, or, or um, you put so much of your attention on creating a, quote, success with... Uh, with a topic in in the collective consciousness based on a particular cause or motive. How does the empathetic uh, mechanism play in your favor and perhaps it has a shadow side of of disconnecting you from your power when when you're when you fully engage in a in a collective cause or a social uh, purpose? So if we were seeing something in the outer world, and I'm just going to kind of clarify to make sure I'm understanding the question, if we see something in the outer world that we're really passionate about, right, like so it could be um, migrant workers or it could be the prejudice and everybody being equal and not being prejudiced, if I get really passionate about that cause, how can I use that empathic sensitivity that I might be having to help, to shift? Is that your question? Sure, and 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 the flip side of that, how can I be dysfunctional too? Yes, I mean, yes, your question, and then what would the shadow side of being connected look yeah, like? Yeah, so let's just pick prejudice. So when we see people who are prejudiced, 
then we're going to form judgments about these people who are prejudiced and we'll then start kind of spewing negativity and judgment towards these prejudiced people. But now we're practicing exactly what they do. And so then we get into this empathic experience because if I'm really attached to nobody being prejudiced, then I start to take responsibility for trying to get them at an energetic unconscious level, trying to get them to be open-minded and not prejudiced. But then I start empathically feeling all of their hatred and all of their anger and all of their intolerance. And then I become intolerant of prejudiced people. Now I'm not modeling the solution. So that's the shadow. If I see a prejudiced person and I get a little triggered and then I get start to get empathic because I feel the anger and I feel my intolerance towards their prejudice, I immediately want to go, uh-oh, I just got into the empathic loop. I just got attached to them not being prejudiced. Now I'm taking responsibility for them not being prejudiced. Now I'm empathically feeling all of their intolerance and their anger. I'm not modeling a solution. I'm not helping. How can I help in a healthy, co-creative way? So then I invite some energetic aspect of me to lift my attachment off of them, return the responsibility. And when I return that responsibility to them, I recognize that they are a conscious sentient being in some time spiral continuum. And so I return that responsibility to them where they can work on their own prejudice if and when they choose. And then the magic moment where you recognize that you have energetic information for this person that you might have just been judging, empathically feeling. You invite some energetic aspect of yourself to return to send that energetic information to them where they have the capacity to receive it. And then you feel into the solution for prejudice. You feel into the self-acceptance where we are all one, where we are all perfect, beautiful, divine beings of light expressing ourselves. And then you have compassion that they live in a world of, of perceived disconnection. So now we're holding compassion for them And we're feeling this self-acceptance, this self-love. When we're hence the self-acceptance, then we can be more accepting with others in our life and in the world at a humanity level. And then you start to create a strong, coherent field, and you have the capacity to positively, empathically impact hundreds of thousands of people, not just this one person that you were seeing who is prejudiced. So that's the healthy side of the empathic sensitivity because the moment you empathically feel them, that gives you information around what they really need. So if I can't feel somebody's pain, I don't know how to help them. So if for a moment I feel their pain, now I have the energetic information and the knowledge of the right information to send them and the right information to model in my own fields. Right, I like that. Very nice. And I'll just transcribe uh, this whole interview and then the book is done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, hopefully we're covering some useful ground here. I mean, sometimes we I, are. I, I go off on tangents and everybody's no, rolling their eyes and falling on the floor. But, um, no, it's great. Maybe that's only my kids when I go to say something insightful. Um, <laughs> Use your inner voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to – I'm going to – um, offer you up the next tangent on this topic. Uh, what's the impulse you have in this moment about this conversation? I think that the empathic sensitivity has an even deeper layer, and I'm feeling into um, people's sense of self-worth and self-confidence. And when we're out there in the world and we're trying to accomplish things and be successful, and we're not as successful as we want to be, or the economy takes a turn, or a relationship falls apart, then we start to doubt ourselves, and it can negatively impact our sense of self-worth by what we're seeing in our outer world. And so with the empathic sensitivity, it can actually guide you into the things that you have inside yourself that is your wisdom and your mastery, and to so deeply value it. Because the other layer with empathic sensitivity is if I say to you, Les, will you tell me that I'm okay or that I'm smart or that I'm you know, good enough and that, that I'm accomplished enough? Now I'm looking to you for validation. And so the moment I give you responsibility for validating me, I move into a place of disempowerment. 
And because I've given you responsibility for validating me in the real world, we're not doing this, just an example. When I give you responsibility for validating me, now I'm going to feel kind of guilty because I just gave you responsibility for doing something for me. And so then I'm going to take responsibility for doing something for you. I'm going to try to soothe you or comfort you or support you. And so then when I take responsibility for you, hoping that you'll take responsibility for me, then we get into this really gnarly empathic experience because with that responsibility that you are, you might be holding for me or I might be holding for you, that responsibility comes with empathic sensations. And then we start feeling each other and all of the shadow and the challenges and the good and the bad, um, the discordant, the harmonic, but it gets really confusing because now you don't know who you are because, again, you just gave your power away. And sure. so often we give responsibility for our needs to other people, wanting other people to respect us, to support us. We want to trust other people. We just gave them responsibility to be trustworthy. Oh, God, no. We retrieve this responsibility. It's my job to love myself, value myself, support myself, honor myself, respect myself. I'm not going to give that responsibility away because the moment I do, I disempower myself and that negatively then impacts my sense of self-worth. Then I go into insecurity, then I go into self-doubt, then I might even go into unhealthy behaviors to deal with the self-hatred. Then the body starts getting the impact of it. Then we start to overindulge to fill the hole. I mean, it gets gnarly fast. And so that sort of shadow piece of the empathic experience speaks about moving into a healthier, more co-creative relationship with your own self, of retrieving responsibility for meeting all of your own needs and returning all responsibility that you're holding for meeting other people's needs. And that is a little bit of a heresy moment, right? It's like our society is all about wanting for other people's happiness. Oh, God, no, never. I would never want for another person's happiness because what if they want peace? What if they want power? What if they want strength? Who is it for me to project what I value onto another that's arrogant and humbling is right around the corner by getting pummeled? No, thank you. And so it's a little radical, but it's really holding that stance of, I am only responsible for my own energy deep in my core. Now, if you're a caregiver or a parent, yes, you still need to make the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or the almond butter sandwiches on the gluten-free bread for the child. You are you took a responsibility on to be a parent or to be a caregiver, but at an emotional, energetic level, we don't want to take responsibility for other people's emotions and their reactions and their journey. So right. the more that we're doing that for ourselves, the more now we're modeling that solution and changing this codependent paradigm that's in our world. Well, yeah, I like that. You know, the the thought that came to mind is uh, uh, the notion of, of valuing ourselves. Yes. Value. What is the element of value? So um, way early in the show I was talking about the – family of origin is where you built your ego. So if mm-hmm. you grew up on a farm, the value of that family dynamic was hard work and reliable. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to bring in the, the buck, the hay, and milk the cows and shovel the shit. And uh, um, so the value of that family dynamic is, you know, work hard, et cetera. And then, like, in my family dynamic, religion. I mean, we're supposed to don this template of what righteousness looks like. And then if we all don it and wear it, then we'll all look like we're all righteous and we'll be the (laughs) ones going to heaven. And that was hell in and of itself. So um, the the point is... um, If we look at our, uh, our lifetime... Um, and we assign value to it. Well, I, I think a classic one is the over-the-hill movie star that in their in their prime they were um, uh, the major actor or actress in all these big-ass films, and then three decades click off and they're shooting up heroin in the back room because they're trying to sustain that feeling of of the pinnacle of their life, if you will, when they were valued mm-hmm. by their fans. Mm-hmm. Or you're working in an industry and 
and you're giving accolades by the corporations because of your accomplishments and then you retire and now your sense of value doesn't have any reinforcement, if you will. Right. When, we, when we create a sense of value to ourselves, that can be a, a, a bit of a bondage thing if we put so much weight on it and then it wanes or fades. I mean, right. how, how do you do that dance with, uh, I mean, if, you're, if you feel lonely or separated because your physical environment is, is by yourself over a long period of time? How do you extract a sense of value when there when there's no external reinforcement of it? Well, there's a, a process, and I have meditations that speak to um, kind of bringing your awareness into this inner river of light that flows within you. Because if you're not in your divine line that flows on the front of the spine, then it's really hard to perceive your essence and the qualities that you as a soul have attained, which you have mastery of. And so when you practice bringing yourself into that inner river of light with a with a process that I've recorded, um, then you start connecting in with your light. You start feeling into these qualities like there might be a peace or a joy or a purity or an integrity or strength that flows within you. And you start valuing these qualities more than anything because the strength that flows within you has has enabled you to go it alone for all of this time or the perseverance that you have or the courage that you have deep in your core has let you do something that is completely and totally different and radical from what your family did. And so when you start identifying just with very specific qualities that flow in your divine line on the front of the spine and you start connecting with it, appreciating it, thinking about how many moments it took you to attain the strength or this courage or this purity or this integrity, whatever it is. Everybody's different in terms of the qualities they've attained inside themselves. Then you're linking your self-worth directly with the qualities that flow within you at a vibrational level. As opposed to linking your sense of self-worth, self-confidence, self-love even, with the outer relationships you're also then taking responsibility for deeply valuing and loving yourself instead of needing it from the outer world because that ebbs and flows. And so having a daily practice of taking a deep breath in and pulling yourself into the center river of light and going, oh, my God, I just love my light and I love that quality that flows in there that I have mastery of. Thank God. Thank God I spent so many lifetimes cultivating this vibration inside me. That was hard work, and I'm going to value it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to support me and sustain me through all of the hard moments, through my workout. And so that is the inner practice that then gives you a sustainability, and you don't get thrown when there is change or loss in your outer world to the degree that you might if you're relying on everybody else validating you, approving of you, soothing you, comforting you, connecting with you. Right. Right, I like that. Well, you know, to your soul, your age is now your business. Why the hell is your ego even thinking about your flipping age? It's such a pointless um, thing to fret about. Uh, I mean, you're, you're well, and most people are a thousand times older than their body. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, um, I was, I was born young, and. Uh, you were probably born young too. Hell, we could be the same age. The uh, um, my oh, I'm so old, has... Les. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you remember the womb or the light before duality? Okay, all right. Before, well, I kind of think of it as like if you can remember how long you've been journeying. I kind of think of it as I mean, I'm way older than I can remember, but. Sure. Um, but when our memory goes back previous incarnations then it's it's not even like this life isn't just this life it's like oh i've been i've been around for a long time and so when our memories and we start becoming more aware our memory of our previous incarnations gets longer and longer and we're like wow i've been along i've been around for a long time i've been doing this this shindig um teaching or guiding or learning or studying and in all these different terrains and so then we start to really tap into a deeper wisdom and mastery and I kind of think that when we remember how long we've been around, then the youth, the soul youth comes into being. And it's like, sure. oh, actually, I'm really young because I'm not 
trillions of years old yet. I might be a million years old or 500,000 years old um, since my inception from source. And that's actually pretty young in the grand scheme of things. Sure. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at because, I mean, um, some people might think I'm an old fart because all my hair is over. But um, if I sit and listen to my soul, my soul treats me like I'm just coming out of the teenage years and I've got lots of shit that I want to do. And so I'm mm-hmm. getting bombarded with all these big ass ideas for my life, and I'm like, well, whatever, let's get it, let's get it going. I mean, I don't want to yeah. resist the the vision of my soul, but um, um, an hour can go by pretty fast, and I want to make real sure our audience knows how to connect with you, what services you have to offer, if it's in personal, if it's in person or over the internet. Give us the whole shebang as far as who you are and, and what services you have and uh, where we can get your books. Perfect. So, yeah, I did write a book called Seven Cups of Consciousness, and that's available on Amazon and um, New World Library and Barnes & Noble. And then in 2009, I started recording daily meditations or little five- to seven-minute audio meditations delivered via an, an app called Cups of Consciousness or via email or both. And you can actually get a free week of the Cups of Consciousness daily cups by just getting the free app on the iTunes store, Cups of Consciousness. Or you can go to my website, Cups of Consciousness, and get a free week of the daily Cups of Consciousness or a tall cups, you can get both, actually a daily and free, um, free daily cups, and then also a free tall cup of consciousness session, which is a 45-minute to an hour-long energy balancing session that I do every three weeks. And so five days a week, I deliver these meditations, um, and then every three weeks, I get online and do a live webinar where I'm looking at the energetic weather, I'm answering questions, we're dropping deeper, and we actually just did a talk up session on Monday, and it was super deep and potent. So it's called the Fast Forward Flow, or Fast Flow Forward. And if you have any fear around support, resources, that is the talk up to listen to because it will really get you into a, in a, a very different energetic space. It's pretty deep and layered. Um, and then I'm also working on my second book called Empathic, The Empathic Sensitivity, It's Not Yours. And I have nine sound healing albums. One of them was released by Sounds True, so it's available on Amazon. And then the other nine sound healing albums are available on my website, aleadow.com, and also on CD Baby. And what else? I have lots of classes and deep dives that are available for download. And then I do do one-on-one intensive sessions with people over the Internet, Zoom, or phone. And then once somebody's been working with me for a while, usually about six months to a year, then they do have the option to come and have an in-person intensive retreat. Usually it's about two days or three days. And I have a guest house on my property in the Sierra Nevada, and I have a sound table that has speakers and a water bed so that you lie on the sound table and your vi- your body vibrates as I tone into the um, into the mic and goes through the speakers and then vibrates up through the water. And so then we'll do energetic protocols and sound healing in the intensive retreat and dive deeper into whatever it is people you know you need to address and clear. So that's the those are my offerings, and um, a lot of it's very affordable, especially the daily meditations and the tall cups and the previous classes. So people can get tons of information in a really affordable way. Well, very nice. Um, wow. Uh, this temporal thing can get real slippery. The time has has, uh, flown by. Hey, uh, Leah, I want to just say kudos to you for how you personify yourself. You're you're such an authentic and genuine um, personification of your essence, and and, uh, the compassion you have for humanity is quite palatable. So I applaud you for everything you done, have done and will do. And I want to thank you for being our guest on the show tonight. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Les. It's a treat and an honor connecting with you. I appreciate it. 
We've been talking with Alea Dow, and uh, the topic tonight has been Cultivate Enlightened Empathetic Sensitivity. Um, it's always a pleasure for me to bring you episodes like this. We're very, very powerful souls having a human experience, and you've shown up for yourself by listening to this episode. I'm your host, Les Jensen. I want to thank you for sharing this time with us. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open, check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.